Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we took a look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I am your host, Peter, and today joining me is Joshua Toomey from the Talk To Me podcast. How you doing, Joshua? Not too bad. How you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we actually have a, a mutual friend through podcasting, and I think that's how we found each other. We do. Yeah, Albie uh, of the Quantum Bleed podcast. I think when I first heard of you guys, I think it just happened to pop up on my timeline. I'm not exactly sure even where I saw it or if a friend of a friend liked it or whatnot, but I just uh, I saw the Hydrate Level 4 podcast name, and obviously being a gigantic Back to the Future fan, I knew I recognized it right away, and uh I was just like, man, I love that name of a podcast. It's a, such a great name. Oh, thank you. And, you know, it makes me feel all warm inside when people get it. And that doesn't happen too often. So thank you. <laughs> That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of went uh, kind of went obscure with the name. But I think if you're a huge Back to the Future fan, it's uh, it's right there for you. You know, you know what the podcast is going to be about. Yeah, that's it. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with your show, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what you do and because uh, you also get guests and just a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I host a podcast called Talk To Me. Uh, it's uh, T-O-O-M-E-Y, which is also my last name. And uh, basically every week I have a musical guest kind of uh, my realm is the metal universe. So like this week, I just had uh, the bass player from the band Megadeth on Dave Ellefson. Uh, I've had podcasts with the uh, members of Five Finger Death Punch, Hatebreed, you know, Chimera, uh, a lot of metal bands out there. But, uh, you know, I'm a huge movie buff and uh, I love music, too. So and then also, you know, just to tie into the movie Rad that we're about to watch or about to talk about uh, episode four of my podcast, I had about a 15 minute interview with Bill Allen, who plays Crew Jones in the movie Rad. Uh, we talk about the movie Heroes of Dirt, which he uh, starred in. And then also talked about Rad, Back to the Future, and even Family Ties. So, Yeah, so encourage you to check that out. And, um, you know, I, I'll, I usually save this for the end of the show, but, of course, I'll include, you know, uh, a link to your podcast, you know, probably, you know, on iTunes or something just to make it easy uh, for the listeners to check that out. But, um, yeah, you, you mentioned it. We're going to be covering the 1986 movie Rad, which is a film about BMX uh, racing. The funny thing is, like, uh, I looked up the Wikipedia for, like, the credits, and they have directed by Jesus. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> that's not a, right. Well, I don't know. It could be right. It's a, <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually directed by uh, Hal Needham. And you mentioned the the star here um, is Bill Allen, who plays Crew Jones. We got uh, uh, Aunt Becky, Lori Laughlin, you know, who plays uh, Chris. Is it Kristen or Christian? Christian. Christian. I thought so. It, it some At some point, it sounded like he said Kristen. Um, Talia Shire, uh, a.k.a. Adrian, uh, who replaced her character from the Rocky series, in a sense, uh, who plays the mom, Mrs. Jones. Uh, we got uh, Ray Walston. Walston? Yeah, Ray Walston, um, who plays, let's see, I have it here, Burton Timmer, which is a uh, a local business owner. Uh, he's a o- older man. Uh, Jack Weston uh, plays Duke Best, who people may remember him from uh, Short Circuit 2 as uh, Oscar. And yeah. let's see here. Hmm? I was saying I didn't know that, but I, I absolutely love the the short circuit movies too. So 
Yep, I recently covered it, so that. But but he does have. Uh, I, I think I saw it often enough that I recognized him right away because part two just came out. I think a few years after this, so he still looks pretty much the same. Uh, we got uh, Lara, no, sorry, Laura Jacoby as his sister Wesley Jones, and we got the uh, 1984 Olympic gymnastics champion Bart Connor, who plays uh, BMX rider or B- BMX biker uh, Bart Taylor. Anybody else you think I should throw in there? That's that's pretty much our main people, right? Uh, yeah. And then uh, yeah. you know, H.B. Haggerty who plays Sergeant Smith. He's a he's a prominent role in the movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's got some speaking lines and and a, a pretty neat introduction to his character too. So before we get into the movie, let's talk about some of the things that came out around the time of its release. So the number one song. Tell me if you know this. It's a uh, Kyrie by Mister Mister. Hmm. I know the band Mr. Mr. And so I'm assuming if I heard this song, I would probably know it. Okay. I don't think I'm familiar with it, but uh, it is mid 80s. I'm pretty familiar with like a lot of the one hit wonders kind of from the 80s. So I feel like if I heard it, I'd probably know it. Uh, The song that preceded it was How Will I Know by Whitney Houston. Very nice. The one that supersedes it was uh, Sarah by Starship. Another great tune there. Can you sing that for me? (laughs) <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, what what is uh, some lyrics from the um from the chorus? No idea. Not off the top. No of my idea. Head. Okay, okay. So Starship, I think that does sound familiar. Are they the one that did uh, "Nothing's Gonna Stop Us"? I know Starship did. Uh, we built this city on rock and roll. Okay. Hmm. Sarah doesn't ring a bell to me, but it was only number one for one week, so that that could be that could be why. <laughs> So some of the movies that came out around the time of this release, uh, this movie came out uh, March 21st of 1986. So Pretty in Pink. Was it John Hughes? Yep, John Hughes. Yep. Uh, How about, let's see, Gung Ho. I don't know that one. And it's funny when I listen to your podcast and I hear the guests on and they're like, I'm screaming at it because I've heard of everything (laughs) that you talk about. And then now that I'm in this position, I'm like, oh, I don't know that one. Uh, Gung Ho had uh, Michael Keaton and the, uh, I don't, uh, forgive me, I don't know his, uh, the actor's name, but it's the, the Chinese guy in um, a Pretty uh, 16 Candles. He oh, plays okay. Japanese in here. I don't know if he's Chinese or Japanese, to be honest with you, but he's also in Gung Ho. And it's, a, it's about like a, like a car manufacturer and, you know, the whole East meets West kind of deal. Um, I, I remember the movie, haven't seen it in a really long time. Uh, and let's see, let's make it short. And well, how about the money pit? Oh, now that is a classic film right there. Okay. Tom Hanks's laugh when the bathtub falls through the floor is one of the funniest moments on TV his- or a movie history. Yeah, probably the first time I've seen Shelley Long. Is that the right movie? Was that pre Cheers? Ooh, well, this is 86. When did Cheers come on? Probably. Same time, maybe after? Yeah, maybe roughly after. the same time. Yeah. I was thinking that okay. that might be one of the movies where she left the uh, series to go and you know try to pursue her acting career. Yeah, it could be. And the last movie I want to throw out there is Critters. Oh, another great movie. Yeah, I uh, I haven't seen Critters in a long time, but it reminds me of movies such as, you know, clearly Gremlins, but also yes. Tremors. Tremors is also one of my favorites from, from back in the day. Yeah, it's definitely another another classic. Yeah. 
So, so back to Rad. Uh, you did choose this one. What is your history with the movie? So my history with Rad is uh, what I thought was like my own story about Rad. But then, uh, you know, I would go every week to the movie th- uh, to the video store with my dad, and my dad would rent, you know, three or four movies for the weekend, and I would I would always get to uh, pick out one movie to rent for myself. And every week I would pick out Rad, and you know, he to the point where he was like, "Are you serious? You want to rent it again?" And I'm like, "Yes." And then uh, I thought that that was my own story, like the late 80s. And then I grew up and the Internet age kind of came about and everyone kind of went on the went online and started talking about Rad. And that was almost every kid's story from the late 80s. Every kid had a had a I would go to the video store and I would rent Rad every week. And so so that was my history with Rad. And then the other cool story with that is uh, years later, my dad would end up uh, buying tons and tons of VHS. Like he would he would got to the point where he would just buy all of his favorite movies and uh, i was like well you know if you ever see the movie rad make sure to get it for me because i knew it wasn't in print anymore and he went out and bought some uh bought some vhs's and he's like hey i found that movie rad that you wanted handed it to me i looked at it it was the same exact copy that i used to rent as a kid another video store had bought them out and was selling off the inventory and uh it had like the sticker from the uh movie's from the rental place when I was a kid, so it was the same exact copy that I used to rent as a kid. I still own now. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my history, I I didn't grow up watching this, but I definitely owned it. I, I remember the amazing cover box. That's kind of crazy looking, but I don't I don't remember if we rented it often. But I remember owning it you know because the cover box I, I would always see but i definitely watched it a lot uh and i don't know what happened to the tape could have been lost you know while we moved because we moved uh, around quite a bit actually when i was younger so that's probably what happened but watching it for this review there were still a lot of scenes that i remembered that it was crazy there were certain scenes i didn't remember but there were like little things that i was like oh my god that that just it, it, it took me back immediately like uh specifically the 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 twins dancing uh, <laughs> on the f- floor and, and some of their movements like some of the moves that they did i was like oh my god i i remember that exact movement you know and right. and funny enough i i didn't remember the scene with um with bart when he danced that that i didn't remember but the twins it, it definitely stuck out to me and and so i remember that uh also i don't know which came first rad or um uh, as far as you know, in which order that I watch them first. Uh, Rad and Teen Wolf 2 both include the song Send Me an Angel, which is like hands down probably my number one 19, like 80s uh, song. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, especially the opening song. But um, yeah. that whatever, I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but there, there was one, somebody posed a question on Facebook like years ago and they said, you know, what is your, like, 180s theme song? Like, you know, like, you pick a song, people are like, oh, that, that makes sense. That's that's totally you kind of thing. And it's not about the lyrics. It's just, I, I don't know. I just love that song. And I, I answered, send me an angel. And I think it was my brother that asked that question. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. I, well, that makes sense because you love that song. I, I get that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just the, the, the song I always remembered. And I remembered it from being, uh, being in Rad and Team of Two. So, so that's it. Yeah, the music in this entire movie is uh, one of the highlights of the movie, and there's so many great songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 
Uh, for those that uh, have forgotten, the the movie is about uh, Crew Jones, who uh, is a high school student that is into. Uh, he's a, a young BMX racer. Uh, he lives in a small town with his mother and sister, and he faces a uh, a tough decision. Now, there's a qualifying um, race coming up for this race called the Hell Track, uh, which also takes place the same days, uh, same day as the SATs. Uh, and of course, he has to take that in order to go to college. So winning the Hell Track race means that he will get $100,000, a new Corvette and fame. So um, that's pretty much the basis of the story. So we'll just kind of get into it and just talk about some of the things that happen. So like any 80s movie, we get an opening of a montage, right? And this is just people doing tricks on their bikes. Were you ever uh, good with tricks? Absolutely not. Uh, okay. I grew up in a, uh, I grew up kind of in the country on a, in, a, in a farm area. And so we didn't have a whole lot of pavement and uh, our driveway was gravel. And so I wanted a BMX bike as a kid, but I, when I got the BMX bike, I would go out in our driveway and you really couldn't do anything. So I would just try to like, you know, do bunny hops and do some of that stuff. But yeah, that whole entire opening scene of rad, I probably at least attempted some of those tricks, but I knew early on that I was never going to be a BMX uh, trickster. Yeah. I don't think I was able to do any tricks either. And I feel like for most of my childhood, I've always had like a, like a mountain bike. So really hard to do tricks on uh, for one. And I think, like the only thing I really did was like ride my bike without my hands. I think that's the coolest thing I, I could do. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's a couple of moves in there where he, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of peg work, things like that. And I think I I, I got some of that stuff down where you know you would just kind of hold the brakes on the bike and make it hop up and down, things like that. But uh, yeah, for the most part, any of the uh, crazy stunts that they do in there, yeah, there was no chance I was doing that. Yeah, no, yeah, me neither. So crew on his well. For a little bit of money, he also delivers uh, newspapers uh, along with um, uh, being a busboy at at, uh, one of the local restaurants. So this scene I do remember um, from when I was younger when, you know, he's uh, being the paper boy, you know, just like the video game. You know, he's tossing, uh, you know, papers on people's lawn and and uh, also there, Mr. Mr. Oh, gosh, what was his name again? The. Uh, Burton Timmer. I, I remember that. That's the actor's name because it's almost like Tim Burton backwards. Um, no, that is his name in the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, the, Mr. Burton Timmer. I just I remember that specific scene with him where he's, uh, you know, walking up to his business holding the the little, uh, you know, coffee uh, tray with you know cups in it, and like crew hits his hand and knocks that over. So uh, I've always kind of remembered that. Now. Watching him cut through lawns and stuff. Now, uh, you do what I do in our uh, professional life. Uh, And did you have an issue with him riding through people's yards on his bike? Um, You know, I just watched the movie again, kind of getting ready for this podcast. And then uh, I was actually looking at the wife and, you know, she loves the movie too. So we were kind of just talking about it as it was going. And uh, there was a lot of those scenes where it's kind of like the game mousetrap where, you know, this piece has to do this so he can be lifted up and go over that. And I was like, you know, there's so much going on here that that would have to happen every day for him to, to run his route the way that he runs it. And uh, it's almost just impossible. Like with the, uh, there's the scene where the guy is uh, waiting for him doing the, doing the, um, the dumpster, the dumpster guy, the dump truck, 
you know, where he's got to like kind of be lifted up and over the fence off of a uh, dumpster. And it's just like, you know, there's no way that that guy waits for him every day to, to, to lift him up over the fence. But yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of uh, issues with, uh, you know, riding through people's yards and, and, you know, jumping fences and things like that. As a kid, that stuff never bothered me, but, you know, watching it now as a, in my thirties, watching it going, I don't know about that. If I'd enjoy my paper boy riding through my yard every day. Yeah. Cause every day he would start forming a little trail on his own and then ruin up, ruining your yard. Then you'll have the old man out there saying, stay off my lawn or get off my lawn. So <laughs> you'd get that. We're starting to get there. Yeah. And in this day and age too, you would definitely have a, uh, you know, a complaint to the manager and uh, something written online about how their paper boy, you know, rides through their yard every day. So it would, it would go viral. You know, it would. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we get this, uh, this little meeting uh, with the mayor and we meet uh, Duke Bass, who I mentioned, you know, played Oscar in Short Circuit 2. And we find out that he's like the president of the Federation of American Bicyclists and also the owner of Mo- uh, Mongoose Bicycles. And also he, his company is endorsing the Helltrack race. And they got a, a dog in this race, right? It's, um, it's Bart. Yeah, Bart Connor. Yeah, yeah, Bart Connor. So, so he, they're, they're sponsoring him. And Duke, his his plan is that uh, Bart would win, you know, that way giving them more exposure and more money, basically. Did you have any thoughts on, on the scene, just meeting some of the, the people here? You know, with that scene, it was always kind of a far-fetched scene, too, just because, you know, they're having this pseudo press conference town hall meeting about this race that's coming to town. And then, you know, you've got the townspeople standing up, standing up and actually re-watching it again. Uh, it actually reminded me of maybe some, it was very 2016, like how will our local boys feel about all these other bicycle guys coming into their town and racing on their land. And it was very, uh, sports these days of, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy. It was, you know, how will our kids feel if, if another bikes, you know, bicyclist comes in and, uh, races on their, on their, in their town it was almost uh, it was it was too close to how parents act these days. I thought it was pretty crazy. That was what I thought was crazy about that scene. Yeah, I, I you know you make a very good point, and it's still relevant today. Um, I did find it interesting that uh, when uh, I forgot who it was, but is it the there was a there was a woman, oh, the, the lady that uh, crew delivers to the newspaper. I think she's one that asked him a couple questions about with this whole hell track race thing going on. And then, like, what, he couldn't even really answer. Like, he had to get fed answers from, like, <laughs> right. his secondhand man. So, like, he's not even a very good businessman, this guy. And and Duke Best has the absolute worst voice in movie cinema history. Like, that, his voice, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I've always thought that, that was one of the worst voices in, in TV movie history. See, I may I may be familiar with some of his older work, but I can't think of any off the top. But these are the two movies that I can only think of him in. So um, I I didn't find it like well. I mean, I could if it's the same in Short Circuit, then uh, I I could, I can see what you mean. But it it seems as though he's kind of typecast, you know, as a bad guy. Apparently, at, at, at least these semi family movies here. Um, now the police, uh, the police chase, this little cat and mouse chase that he does with the uh, our you know crew and his friends, is this almost like a daily occurrence? Is it something that happens often? He just plays with them and chases them. Yeah, it's very strange because they're in their little 
A, they're in a squatting in a clubhouse somewhere, and then all of a sudden uh, the police officer shows up, and you know it's like he wants to play, and and then right. they you know get out and they they run through this lumber yard, which that's another thing. I mean, growing up in the country, you know, trying to ride your BMX bike in that kind of terrain is you know near impossible. So so for them to uh, to do this little you know like you said cat and mouse game through the through the lumber yard is very far fetched to me. At one point, they're hiding like behind this really big pipe, you know. So it, it's it's almost <laughs> right. like yeah, it's a it's just going through the motion of a some kind of this practice that they do with him or something. I don't know. It it just he's like, oh hey, it's about that time, like clockwork, right? You know, yeah. he's got nothing else to do, so here it is. This is the the point in our day where he chases us. So <laughs> yeah, it's fine, you know, friendly neighborhood uh, police officer. So we'll, we'll put a, a little pin on that because I. I I have a question for something later on here. Um, the scene where, uh, well, the scene where he's talking with his mom and she, you know, he's like, Hey, I want to do this race. And she tells him about the SATs. I found it kind of a, kind of a dick move for him to um, kind of bring up his dad. So we yeah. find out that his dad's passed away and throws a little shade. He's like, well, you know, dad would have let me do this, you know, and, and all these things. What would you think about that scene there? I mean, yeah, looking at it now, being a parent and seeing him bring up uh, bring up his father that has passed away is definitely a dick move at that point. You know, you uh, you definitely can't, especially when you're trying to do something as, as silly as a bike race over your SATs, you know, you can't pull up the dead father. But the one thing I do find strange is also knowing about the SATs is, you know, there's got to be another another makeup day or another day where you can take your SATs. It's not like that's your one shot to do it and you'll never be able to do it again. That's the one thing I've always found strange about that, that about that scene. Yeah, I was just like, so is his dad Rocky or? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just uh, she has another. Well, Rocky's not dead, but, you know, uh, I just thought this was kind of kind of funny. Uh, what do you think about his sister? I, I, I do like. um uh, I, I do like the interaction. She clearly adores her brother. You know, he goes to pick her up at the school and she's basically defending him, you know, because this other kid is wearing like a Bart Taylor shirt. And he's like, oh, your brother ain't shit. And, you know, and so she's like kicking him in the shins, you know, like you said. So I, I, thought, I thought that was pretty funny. And I kind of I kind of like the, the, the not chemistry, but the dynamic between the, the brother and sister here. Yeah, it's a good brother and sister dynamic. You can tell that they have a very close relationship and, you know, maybe that stems from the passing of the father. You never know. But, uh, yeah, those two have a great bond and you can tell that uh, she's kind of a, maybe wise a, a, ahead of her years. And, uh, yeah, those two just, uh, you know, seem like they love one another, have a great relationship. And she's definitely, you know, her brother's biggest fan. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's see. So we get this scene. It's kind of a... It's not a parade, is it? It's it's where Bart Taylor comes rolling in. You know, he's got the the twin uh, bikers in the back with you know some ladies. Is is it like a parade, or is it just people coming into the town? I would assume it's a parade because they've got it. Uh, they've got some of the roads blocked off, and it's oh right. You know, a lot of the other uh, bicycle companies have their guys out there doing tricks too. So I think it's just I think it's the Hell Track competitors kind of rolling into town. And uh, kind of showing off what they can do. Yeah, so we get the uh, introduction of 
those three plus you know some of the some of the girls that they bring, but also uh, Christian played by Lori Laughlin, who people you know will remember from Full House as Aunt Becky, uh, and that's what I kept on writing down as Aunt Becky because I, I I couldn't pick up her name yet. So like, who, what's, what's her character's name? But um, you know we find out from Bart uh, in a little bit of exposition here that she she also rides with their crew kind of thing, but kind of recently separated herself from them. Yeah, from what I can tell, you know, just watching the movie, there's uh, she's part of the mongoose mongoose team, but uh, she's on the, she's falling out with the other with the fellas, and you know there's a, there's a rift going on there, and it also looks like Bart has a little thing for her, and she doesn't have a thing for him, so he's kind of sabotaging her at the same time. Yeah, and this is where her and crew meet. Uh, this lady is trying to get through, but you know, like you said, the the roads are kind of blocked, and crew helps helps her out. And I think Christian honks or something because crew was like, uh, you know, in front of her and turns around. They exchange looks and uh, kind of smile at each other kind of thing. So uh, what do you, you think of Laura Laughlin in this movie? Oh, man. As a kid growing up watching this movie, you know, I definitely fell in love with Lori Laughlin as Christian uh, many, many a time over the years. Just uh, just the whole dynamic of her character in this. And, you know, she's obviously... Uh, you know, younger than she is and when she's Aunt Becky and, uh, you know, just as a kid, just thinking she's so incredibly beautiful. So, so yeah, I loved, uh, loved Lori Laughlin in this movie. Yeah. I, I liked her a lot. And, uh, I don't know if, if it's because I know who she is, but there's, I don't know if we want to call her a love interest, but there's that, uh, is it Katie, the, the, the girl that crew likes at school? Yeah. There's like his, uh, his pseudo girlfriend that he tries to continues to try to impress at the school, you know, even back to where they're talking about going to the school dance and things like that. So, yeah, she was like, "Are you gonna, are you gonna pick me up on your bike?" He's like, "Yeah," and, and <laughs> yeah. he looks serious too. Like, I, I think he is serious. Like, "Yeah, I'm gonna pick you up on my bike." I mean, I don't drive, <laughs> right? No, he's 100 percent serious in that moment, and it actually kind of brushes it off. Like, "Yeah, what do you mean? What do you expect me to do?" And you know, so I, and I think well, the funny thing is, you know, Christian's character would probably love to be picked up on a bike to where you know the other his uh, his girlfriend Katie. You know, is uh, repulsed by the idea. Yeah. No question for you. Did you ever ride with a girl on the handlebars? I will say that yes, probably at some point, and then maybe also if I had some pegs, you know, they probably rode on the back too. So. Oh man, it's so you. I I don't think I ever did. So <laughs> I I am jealous. Well, I mean, you know, you still have time. I I, I guess so. Yeah, I, I got to buy some pegs and have the wife hop on and say <laughs> you're you're the first one. Right. Um, now, uh, Katie, the, the, I I think we see her like twice, once in school and once outside of school, you know, is, so the second time being the scene that we're discussing here, she does not stick out to me. Like, you know, she's like super plain Jane and very like not memorable at all. Yeah, she's definitely just a kind of a flash in the pan uh, in the movie, you know, where to maybe you would think that towards the end you know, with Christian being around, you would think that maybe she would show up and be angry or something, but you know, she's very, uh, a very dismissed character in the movie. Like she could almost not even be there and it would be okay. Yeah. I think you're right because there's like no, uh, you know, she, there's no arc with her, right? At the end, she just, she, she's not like, Oh, he won this big race and now I'm in love with him again. You know, there's nothing like that. Right. And, and also even when Christian comes into the picture, she doesn't get jealous or anything. So yeah, she totally could have been, uh, uh, written out of this and it would have been fine so the next scene we get the the famous uh dance i, I guess uh, do, do you 
what do you think about the dancing, you know, with the twins and also Bart uh, a little bit after that? I mean, it's quintessential 80s. I mean, it's the you can't you can't watch the entire dance scene and uh, not see that it's so dated. And uh, it's a, it's almost a time capsule of what would happen and what you would assume happens in an 80s dance. And yeah, it's just uh, over the top. You know, and then actually just thinking about it now, I mean, like, why are those guys invited to a high school dance? You know, like those guys are all seem to be out of high school and, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit above age to be going to a high school dance. Well, not only that, why is the mayor there? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because, okay, this is where I got a little, a little bit confused. Uh, So I'm glad that you kind of confirmed it, that it was a school dance because in my notes, it was a school dance. And then when I saw the mayor there i'm like wait a minute why is he there and then with everyone else there i, I thought that maybe okay maybe this is like a, a, a charity thing or maybe just event leading up to the to the track race but then that's right because crew did ask katie like oh yeah you going to the dance or let me pick you up tonight you know so yeah so you got the mayor at the dance and then these other people that aren't even students but sure, hey that's it, it's a movie it's a movie you know <laughs> you know and it's funny too watching it so much as a kid and you don't even question that type of stuff when you're a kid you're just like oh well that's that's what would happen and and now that you bring all that up you're like well maybe you know maybe it is a hell track dance but uh you know i don't remember if it uh ever specifically says that yeah probably doesn't so crew is outside you know kind of doing some tricks around the corvette you know which is one of the uh the prizes you know so maybe there's a little tie in there that you know maybe they just kind of didn't write that in very well but um christian she sees uh him you know riding playing playing on his bike and then she gets an idea she grabs the bike herself does a little jump over his and invites him in to dance with her on on bikes i guess right pretty everything's in slow-mo it's actually kind of nice i i dug it yeah it's definitely one of the best scenes of the movie you know the kind of the uh spark between those two occurs at this moment and then you know you get the the, all the awesome uh you know bike tricks at a school dance you know out of nowhere so yeah it's 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 a fun little scene do do we know if that's actually Lori laughlin doing the uh the, her own stunts or probably not right because I, I don't even think bill allen's doing every single stunt himself yeah i was actually reading up on uh, some of the stuff too i think there's only one scene where bill allen actually does his own stunts and then i i know there's a a male uh is actually a male doing her stunts in the movie too so it's yeah that's pretty much it's all camera camera trickery and and uh but yeah i think i Eddie Fiola, who crew is kind of roughly based on, uh, I think does a lot of her stunts actually, which is kind of funny. And actually, now that you bring the, um, his name up, I, I think Bill Allen had to dye his hair to look like him. Yeah, like, which I read that too, and I thought that was kind of funny. You would think it would go the other way, like it would be right. You know, he would dye his hair to match, you know, Bill Allen's, not the other way around. Yeah, that'd be a good question to ask him one day, perhaps. Like, how, how come you have to dye your hair? <laughs> right. The other crazy scene about, or the other crazy thing about this scene is that there's an announcer just randomly like, <laughs> you know, oh, they're about to do a bicycle boogie woogie You're for right. you. Like, where does this announcer come from? Like, you know, no, that's not Bart Taylor. That's, you know, that's some local kid. Who's this kid? You know, it's, it's kind of odd that there would be uh, an announcer at a high school dance just randomly, you know, kind of uh, giving some commentary to what's going on. You're right. See, and I completely missed that, you know, so maybe it is, maybe it's hell track, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, a, a sponsorship, you know, a, a dance at the school. I mean, it's got to be right. I mean, why is there an announcer? Why is the mayor there? Why is the Corvette parked outside of the school? And kind of all these things. So, yeah, very interesting. Uh, I, I, I'd be curious to read that book of uh, Mr. Bill Allen's, you know, who's, um, was it My My Rad Life, I think it's titled? My Rad Career. My Rad Career, okay. Yeah. So after the dance, for whatever reason, crew takes off, I guess. She chases him down and, you know, she kind of stops and he's like, okay, well, he's gone. Do you have an idea why he might have left? Uh, maybe he just, you know, a little overwhelmed by the situation and uh, just, you know, Okay. Had to leave and had to had to go and uh, here I am with words. <laughs> he had to go and he had to go and kind of collect himself. Okay, could be because I, I know she asks him late, later on, like well, you know, you just took off, and so I, I, I'm glad that they addressed it. But I I just thought it was really weird because it, it, it didn't tell you know we didn't get any kind of inkling as to why he might have taken off. I just thought it was just really really unusual for him to take off after bike dancing with a beautiful girl. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, um, so Bart walks into uh, a restaurant, uh, with a girl on each arm. And I guess this is how, you know, big time he is, right? The, I don't know if it's the owner or the manager or whatever, but he clears a table for him. And it actually happens to be like two of crew's friends, uh, who crew ends up busting the table from too. So kind of shows, you know, Bart's status here, even in a town that's not his. Yeah. I thought it was very strange, you know, with the whole, like, you know, well, that's the rules, you know, and the, uh, so the. So the scene of, you know, the the restaurant manager owner kind of comes up and kicks out crew's friends to to let Bart sit down. It's definitely uh definitely does show his status as a superstar, you know, and once again it's just the uh how far fetched this movie is that the uh superstar bike rider BMX guy comes in and has that much power over the small town of Cochrane. You know, I I do wonder because he specifically says those are the rules. I wonder if this is something that like Duke Best keeps doing, you know, going to these businesses like, hey, this is my star. Um, He wants to sit somewhere. You make room for him. Like these are the new rules. You know what I mean? Because we get that two more times later on. So. So, yeah, very interesting is what I keep saying here. Um, So Christian, she shows up at one of uh. Uh, Cruz practices and she gives him some pointers, t- tells him to remove the, the landing mattresses, you know, off of this jump that he does. And he does so, but still fails, you know, kind of lands on his back. But she says that he over rotated, I think it was. Yeah, he over rotates. Yeah. So, but and then we get a montage of them just spending some time together um, and they have a little talk and. Basically, she tells him to go ahead and qualify for the race and because he can always, you know, do the whole SATs thing later. I think she gives the example like her sister also did that, you know, like going to school six months later after taking a break. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you have any more to add to the montage? Um, no. I mean, I just think it just kind of shows where, where when she comes into the whole, uh, you know, where he's trying to do the, the 360 backflip. And, you know, she's like, you're, you're over rotating. You're not, you're not letting your head lead and, and all that stuff. It just kind of sh- solidifies her as a uh, BMX rider, BMX trickster mm-hmm. uh, and, and to, to let you know that she knows what she's talking about because, you know, obviously he ends up, you know, learning how to do the trick properly. Right. So there's a scene after this, uh, very brief, it's crew and his West, um, his sister, Wesley and uh, crew is 
trying to forge his mom's signature, which I guess he's been doing for two hours, <laughs> just trying to get it right. I don't know. I don't know if it's that important to try to get it that perfect that you spend two hours. But, uh, you know, this is for the application, you know, for, for the racetrack. So, you know, probably, he probably has to be 18 and over. Uh, otherwise, he'd have to have, like, his parent's signature, I guess. But um, apparently Wesley, she knows how to do it and does it in one try. Yeah, that's another thing that, you know, he has a stack of these applications. Like, it's not like he's practicing on a scrap piece of paper and then going to uh, put it onto the application as soon as he's perfected it. He's actually continuing to mess up on application after application after application. So it's that's another another scene where he, you know, he should have done it on a scrap piece of paper. But no, he just I guess he just grabbed a stack of these applications wherever he got them. Yeah. Um and then there's a, there's a, a kind of a smaller race. It, it's not the the main one, but his mom shows up to this one because she saw him on TV, and uh, you know they they have a talk. It it, it was kind of heartwarming actually. I kind of liked it because I think they both did well, especially Bill Allen. I thought he really sold the scene, uh, but they come to an agreement that he will take the SATs in six months. So um, you know I'm I'm just glad that well he's glad too, but we're we're all glad that she's understanding. You know he kind of yeah kind of makes a good point you know, as to why he should do this and that school is still there. Just, you know, he doesn't need to take the SATs the exact same day. Well, that's another thing too, about how just huge this race must be for this town, because, you know, it's just on television. It's on regular television during the day uh, so that they, you know, there's nothing else going on in this town and they, they're you know, live broadcasting a qualifying race that they just, and not, you know, and the qualifying race just, uh, came to be, you know, just a few days earlier. So not only did they, uh, you know, put the race together for this qualifying race, they also got a camera crew out to film it, you know, commentators, everything else, and they're broadcasting it live on the local TV there. So it's another way to just show how huge this race is for this town. Yeah, indeed. So we get uh, the first of a couple different rule changes on the spot. So basically the... uh, Duke Best is right hand man. I do. You, do you know his name by chance? Not off the, the top of my head. Yeah, the guy who looks like a kind of like Burt Reynolds a little bit. But that guy. <laughs> I mean, oh gosh, yeah. I I don't. I don't have his name, but anyway, he tells crew that uh, basically, if no sponsorship, no race. You know, so so now crew needs to look uh, into getting uh, a sponsorship. So they start to do like a free enterprise kind of thing by. Uh, selling T-shirts saying "Crew is rad," right, or something like that. Yeah, it actually, yeah, it does say "Crew is rad." Yep. Yeah. So they they sell the the T-shirts and um, you know it's it's not a montage, but it's just a kind of a sequence of that uh, of all of that going, and then little by little we get to see Mister uh, Burton Timmer kind of starting to kind of scratch his head a little bit and kind of seeing how I think he witnesses like you know. Um, when the crew is told that, oh yeah, no sponsorship, no sponsorship, no race, and I think he starts to kind of kind of feel bad. You know, this is you know this is a kid from his own town, and these guys from out of town are you know trying to make it difficult for him. You know, try, trying to get into the race here. Yeah, that's the scene where he just basically you know kind of turns from a hating crew from earlier in there in the film. You know, throwing the newspaper at him, knocking his coffee over to just. To you know, being a crotchety old man to uh, totally supporting the local kid because I mean, I guess you know, it just kind of shows that he's a businessman and he sees that these kids are really trying their 
damnedest to get this business off the uh, ground so that they can sponsor him and that they're doing all of the legwork to sell these t-shirts and, and uh, to make the money to you know gain the sponsorship and to get in the race so you know that's when they uh that's when he you know kind of starts to turn and uh, soften up on the crew and their uh, rad army there yeah yeah and and because of this crew is clearly upset and so like uh, you know, there's this scene where him and Christian are spending more time together again. And, you know, he's not very happy, uh, obviously. And I, th- I think he even tells her to, like, you know, go away, you know, kind of thing. So I still don't know if uh, we got the ass sliding scene. That that could have been the first montage, I think. I think it is because I think that's when they are uh, they do the ass sliding and then they uh, do a little bit of uh, other stuff. And then after that, it shows them kind of walking down the road, uh, pushing their bikes and kind of having that... Uh, having that talk about her sister taking a few months off from the SATs, things like that. Right. But, uh, you know, ass lighting is such a, when my wife and I met, you know, we, uh, we were talking and one day rad came up and, you know, she's like ass lighting and, you know, we almost said it at the same time. And, you know, it's always been one of those, uh, kind of, uh, jokes between us about, you know, going ass lighting and, but then also watching the movie again and just trying to figure out like, where is that pipe coming from leading to, I mean, what, what are they, truly sliding down i mean it's like a water slide into the into the lake there but i mean where's the water coming from it's right <laughs> could be, you know is it a sewage runoff what is it you know yeah it's something maybe they all made themselves you know everyone goes ass sliding there in cochrane it's probably what it is <laughs> it's the best thing to do there let's go to the ass slide to ass slide you know i don't know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh so they're selling the shirts uh and you know they're making some pretty good money and I love this too because we get a call back from the earlier scene when we first see Wesley, that kid that she had the encounter with. Now he wants to buy a shirt. Yeah, he definitely comes up, tries to get a shirt, and then that's where she also kind of uh, her pride takes over and almost doesn't allow him to buy a shirt. And then uh, where they have to kind of give her, uh, kind of change her ways and uh, make her sell him a shirt because they need the money. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny. Cruz like just give him a, the ripped one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and at this point, again, another rule change because uh, Duke Best comes up, you know, with his right-hand man, who I'm going to call Burt Reynolds, but it's not. And um, they're like, oh, well, this is cute. You guys are almost to $500, but you actually need $50,000. So here's the thing. This is a rule change. Does this affect everybody else? I don't get it. So does everyone else have to come up with a $50,000? I think... I think the rule was your company has to be worth fifty thousand dollars. You know, gotcha. so I think I think that's where they, uh, you know, so Mongoose and all those companies obviously are worth fifty thousand dollars, and then uh, so they were trying to say that you have to basically be worth fifty thousand dollars. So if they sell fifty thousand dollars worth of shirts, then I guess technically they are worth fifty thousand dollars. I guess that's what they're trying to get at there. Yeah, no, that that's a very good point because. Uh, uh, I think when crew started asking Christian about sponsorship, she mentioned like one of the, one of the guys that walked by, he was sponsored by like Coca-Cola, you know, which is yeah. like, you know, obviously big time. So yeah. Okay. I, I get that. So we, uh, we, we, we get this town hearing and uh, uh, the cop convinces everyone to kind of help chip in because, you know, he's been around, he's, he's chased all these kids around town and, you know, the crew being in the race is going to help out the town, you know? And, and so, Everyone agrees that they all kind of chip in, but they still need $27,000. So I was really surprised. I mean, so all those people that decided to chip in were couldn't even come up with, with half. Wait, yeah, not not even with half. 
Yeah, but I mean, a group of people, I mean, it's not like they're just going to bust out. I mean, if they come up with $23,000, yeah. I mean, that's a huge sum of money for a, for a small town group of people to come up with, uh, you know, on the fly, you know? Yeah, I guess you're right because I mean these are regular folk. You know, I'm I'm thinking like these these were also like the uh, like the people that own businesses or something like that. But you're right; these are just regular folk because you get to hear like some of the, the donations they were making. You know, one person made like twelve hundred dollars, another person was like a couple hundred dollars. So okay, yeah, that you're right. That that actually still is a pretty uh, good amount of change. Uh, but uh, Mr. Burton Timmer, you know, pays the remaining twenty seven thousand dollars. So. We get this next part where Duke asks the twins to uh, sabotage the race because now crew is eligible, you know, for uh, to get into the hell track race here. So we get the race and his mom shows up. And I, I thought this was funny because the lady's like uh, th- this lady sitting next to her is like, oh, c- keep an eye on him. He's a local boy. Yeah. You know, like y- you would think everybody would know, even if she didn't know that was his mom. But like. You know, everybody should know Crew is the local boy, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't he one of the few that that made it thus far? Oh yeah, I mean that's you know everyone in the town has to know who that is. But I mean, you know, the woman that says that to his mom is also you know the the callback to the woman that uh, Crew lets through the you know through the parade and her right. car through the parade so she can get home because she's and that's the other crazy thing is that she needs to get home because there's like she's baking a pie or something, which is another far fetched reason to need to get home like there's no other way to get to your house from point a to point b but uh you know so that she can get home to bake her pie or cake or whatever she was baking now uh i i did forget uh one of the lines when crew and his mom were talking earlier when he convinces her to let him race but he says that you know i was one of a thousand now i'm one of uh there's 20 20. Okay. See, I was thinking 20. So yeah, from one, one of a thousand to one of 20. And I think that also kind of like told his mom, like he can roll with the best of them. Yeah. It definitely shows to the mom that, you know, this is something that's uh, not just a, not just something he wants to do, but something he's good at. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we don't know exactly how many laps. uh, Do we know how many laps the hell track is? I don't know. I don't know if that's, that was ever said. Okay, so there's a lot of laps, and you know, in between each, you get to see how you know this is really taking a toll on crew, right? So it, this is actually a pretty, pretty good size uh, segment here. This third act with uh, him during the race, and you know, clearly we see people one by one, you know, uh, basically just wiping out and all these things and getting eliminated. But in the final lap, Bart, uh, he he's leading the race and he slows down that uh, he and crew can face uh, each other one-on-one in the, in the final stretch here. Uh, crew ultimately uh, wins the hell track, and, and then Bart Taylor is kicked off the, the Mongoose team because he didn't do what Duke wanted him to do. Uh, what would you think about the, the, the end of this race? Uh, the end of the race has you know, always been a classic moment in the movie of where Bart knows that he was, you know, crew was kind of wrecked, and Bart knows that it's not a he's not going to be a true victor if he doesn't face off in a face crew one on one. So he kind of slows up and waits for crew to catch up, and then you know so that they can do the the dual race face to face, and and then so that Bart can uh, truly try to win the race. And then you know as you said, you know crew ends up coming through, and uh, I believe that's where he actually throws the backflip into the race so that it helps him uh, helps him win the race. 
and it kind of calls back to how Lori Laughlin and Becky helped him out. So, uh, you know, it's just great. And then, you know, obviously, you know, underdog wins, classic 80s movie, uh, local kid, underdog kid wins over the big powerhouse kid. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's always been an iconic, iconic role in the movie. And, you know, I've always joked about uh, if I'm racing like my son or something and I stop to let him catch up, you know, you're definitely doing a doing a Bart Taylor. Yeah. And uh, I, I really dig the ending here. In the final scene, crew offers Taylor uh, a, a spot in rad racing. So, um, yeah, I, I would have liked to see a sequel. You know, it, it, it's 80. Well, you know, the 80s did sequels. So I don't see why they couldn't have done a second one. You know, a bigger race with the two of them or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funny that they would uh, he would go from Mongoose. You know, you would assume that all the other gigantic uh, bicycle companies would want to have have Bart on their side and he actually goes, well, you know, I guess I'll go with this nice new upstart that could barely get, you know, get into the race. <laughs> and, uh, they're making their own t-shirts at the high school, you know, the, that he would want to go to that team rather than shop around or, you know, see what else is out there. So, but it's, you know, it's like a nice yeah, little per- kind of iconic moment too, where crew kind of holds the bike up and Bart holds on to it too. So it like shows them as a, a, a combined force. Yeah, yeah. For, perhaps he will move there. You know, maybe he likes it. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, early in the movie, he kind of talks about how Cochran is, uh, you know, there's not a lot of uh, good looking girls that live there. And there's uh, the the fashion that they show the fashion there that they just think it's disgusting. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, OK, well, a- after we talk about the movie, you know, we give it uh, a-, a rating out of five stars. So I'll, I'll have you uh, go first since you're the guest. I mean, with the movie Rad, I mean, it holds such a high regard in my childhood, and I've watched it so many times that, uh, you know, I have to give it five stars. It's, you know, there's no, I know it's no Star Wars, it's no Back to the Future, it's no uh, cinematic masterpiece, but just for for being a kid and uh, watching it so much and just absolutely loving the movie, I'll, I'll definitely have to give it five stars. No, that's that's really good. Um, I was uh, I'm I'm glad you went first because uh, I think I was gonna kind of not grade on a curve, grade on a curve, but I was gonna kind of use that as to kind to kind of help me a little bit. I'm gonna go four and a half. Uh, this movie was a lot better than I remember it. Uh, I do remember watching it a lot when I was younger. You know, um, very few scenes I, I forgot about. You know, the, the, the I, I think the only re, the only thing that um, I wasn't a fan of was the dance scene. You know, that 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 doesn't hold up. But, you know, like you said, it's a time capsule. It's a it's a product of its time for sure. But I think it's very well written. You know, we've talked about some of the things that happen in here. There's callbacks to certain things. You know, Wesley and that kid, um, you know, early on when she kicked him and then he tries to buy the T-shirt. For what it's worth, I think the movie is well written. Uh, e- even though I don't think it's directed by Jesus, like you know, I said <laughs> earlier. Yeah, this was pretty good. Uh, Bart, um, I mean, not Bart, but um, Bill Allen, I don't know him in anything else but this. Um, and I think he did a really good job, you know, in, in this movie. I, I I thought that he actually, uh, I thought that he was actually like a BMX racer, you know, that they got into doing this, you know. So I didn't know if he had any prior acting experience so uh, all, all around i think everyone did a really good job uh, i think you know talia shire i think she was uh f- you know just fine as the mom uh, all the all the, the little side characters they they were all purposeful you know i i think the only thing 
that we could have done without was Katie. And that's not even that big of a deal. You know, it doesn't slow down the movie or anything. I mean, this movie is just, you know, it's an hour and a half. So, yeah. Yeah, I think with Katie, you know, we kind of go back to her for a second. But just with her, I think it just kind of creates, uh, kind of shows Crew Jones in a, in, a, in, a, in a soft light, you know, to where she's kind of the quintessential 80s girl that's about uh, materialism and things like that so that she she just kind of represents the 80s materialism in the movie and it kind of just shows where crew jones is uh kind of more fun loving and you know all about his bike and i think that's maybe their 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 dynamic but yeah it is kind of odd looking back on it and how her character just kind of fades away and there's uh no real callback to her anywhere towards the end of the movie uh the only other thing with like maybe uh you know, the storyline is really good. I think there's a lot of filler in the beginning of the movie. I think the, you know, the lumberyard scene is kind of some filler. And then, the you know, the, obviously the entire in- intro to the movie is filler with them just kind of doing random uh, bike track, um, uh, bike tricks uh, throughout, you know, throughout the town. And then um, like, you know, and the uh, showing him delivering papers is a little bit of a, a lot of filler there too. But I mean, for the most part, well, very well written, but uh, there's a lot of, uh, unnecessary uh bike scenes i think but i mean overall man i i I love this movie as a kid i can't believe it turned 30 uh just a few uh, weeks ago a few months ago whenever this podcast posts but uh but yeah it's pretty crazy to to kind of look back and uh you know to to take a chance and just to kind of break down rad and kind of look at it more analytical that was the other thing i liked about getting ready for this podcast was sitting there and watching rad with a little bit more of an analytical mind rather than just, uh, you know, enjoying a movie. So I appreciate you, uh, appreciate that. So thanks for that. Hey, no problem. You know, thank you for, uh, you know, rad is one, uh, on, on my long list to review. So I'm glad that you came at the right point. I was like, Hey, let's do this. And then we found out that it just had its 30th, uh, anniversary. So really awesome. Um, but just a word to the listeners, check it out. You know, if, if you saw it a while ago, go back and watch it again. I think it still holds up the, the the dancing a little outdated outdated for sure but it's it's an 80s movie you know what do you expect but um i did read something where uh you know despite like petition petitioning that there was no release of dvd or blu-ray so hopefully that's something that they can remedy uh in the near future because i think it's definitely worth a watch yeah that that's uh that's something that on the uh talk to me episode four (laughs) when bill allen came on the podcast i talked to him about that a little bit and uh, he kind of hinted at maybe for the 30th anniversary they were going to try to do some stuff um i did that interview i guess last september um september 2015 so i mean obviously nothing has been brought up since then and uh you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of great crazy things about that because i mean the rad itself rad is a franchise it's uh you know if you ever take a chance look on ebay i mean a vhs copy of rad goes from 30 you know around 30 bucks for a copy of rad the soundtrack which is also out of print i mean you can sell it on cassette for like 125 dollars the vinyl version of it is, is insane the the amount of money that people will pay for the for rad items is uh is uh so far-fetched and so out there it's pretty crazy it is it is indeed uh, but yeah, this this was a lot of fun, man. I'd love to have you come back again for like something else, uh, you know, in the future, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, but why don't you again tell the listeners, uh, you know, where they can find your show and some of your contact information if you welcome the interaction. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you guys want to check me out on my weekly podcast, my podcast come out on Tuesdays and that podcast is called Talk To Me. 
Um, it's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, you know, pretty much anywhere that you can uh, find your podcast, you'll be able to find me. And then if uh, you want to go on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash talk to me talk. And then uh, Twitter is also at talk to me talk. So uh, yeah, come on, say, uh, let me know that you heard about the podcast on Hydrate Level 4. And, uh, you know, obviously you guys uh, support Peter and what he does. Uh, a lot of fun. I checked out a few of the episodes. And uh, like I said, you know, just when I saw the name of your podcast, I was uh, I was uh, I, one of those things where I had to check it out and uh, see what you do over here. And so, uh, you know, you I've, I've subscribed to your podcast and each week it pops up. It, uh, it definitely makes it into my rotation uh, while I'm uh, casing my mail at work. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, got to support the, us uh, Postal Blue guys here. Um, all right. Well, for me, Hydrate Level 4 and my other movie podcast, Original Remake, uh, can be found on followingfilms.com, along with other great shows such as Pop Culture Case Study with my good buddy Dave and also War Machine vs. Warhorse with my co-host Michael Denniston from Original Remake and also the guys at True Bromance Film Podcast with Hiram Barry. Uh, if you like lists, uh, Devin and I, we cover, well, we pick a topic every week and we banter and we fight over whose list is better we do a top five list called we got five uh on cortemparts.com and also back to the future we've talked about it a few times on this episode albie from the quantum leap podcast him and i we cover the back to the future the animated series podcast so you can find that at baronspace.com all of those shows that i just previously mentioned can be found on itunes and stitcher as well so until the next episode for joshua i'm peter and this is hydrate level four Do you-